Uh, take your Bibles this morning, turn to the uh, great physician, uh, the book of Luke. The book of Luke, uh, it's there uh, at chapter 15 uh, that we are going to explore uh, 10 verses of Scripture there together. You know that last song, I, I, I just started thinking about it. You, you know, um, man, God's been good to us this morning, and uh, hopefully you've captured that. If, if God's been good to you this morning, just say praise the Lord. You know what? Uh, I know all of us have been through some things. I don't know your story. You may not know my story, but to all of us have been through some things. I'm, I mean, I mean, we're probably not where we ought to be, uh, but we're not where we used to be. And, and God has certainly uh, blessed us. Uh, God has seen us through uh, a lot of things. And, uh, and then when it comes to church, uh, last week we looked at a message uh, out of the most evangelistic book, uh, perhaps, uh, in the Bible. Uh, that's the book of Acts, and that's where the book of Acts tells us that uh, uh, thousands of people were saved in one day, uh, and the Lord added to the church daily uh, such as should be saved. Uh, that's where the church uh, was birthed. Uh, that's where uh, the Christians got their name, and they went out uh, and literally uh, tore the world uh, and turned the world uh, upside down. And so this morning, we're going to kind of pity back uh, on that thought. Uh, our, 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 our church years run uh, like October through September. And I thought uh, as we prepare for this next year, I thought we'd kind of just go back and review uh, really some DNA principles, some DNA cores of who we are uh, as the Crestview Baptist Church family. I, I, I want to always keep these uh, DNA principles, these cores uh, in your mindset. Uh, and so as uh, we kind of finish out the month, we're just kind of kind of just do uh, some review of really what's brought us to where we are. I mean, we've been able to pay off uh, millions of dollars in debt. We're debt free today. We're not going to beg you for any money because we know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, offering boxes are there on your way out. If God leads you to put it in there, you'd be obedient to God, but you ain't giving it to the church. Uh, you're giving it to God and God's been obedient to allow us. If you didn't hear a few weeks ago, every single week for the last 20 years, this church has averaged somebody in the baptism waters every single week for 20 consecutive years. And that's, uh, that's amazing in and of itself. Uh, we've been able to uh, pay the bills, uh, eliminate debt, see people saved. We've been able to stay unified. Amen. Uh, we've had a few disagreements along the way. Uh, we've had a person or two that might have caused some trouble, but uh, uh, hey, hey, we're still together and we're unified. And, and, and you know, we, I, I can't even recall that we've ever really had a bad business meeting. I mean, we've had uh, somebody with a question or two. And like I say, I mean, you get two people together, there's more likely to be a disagreement. But you know what? Uh, God has blessed us to be a unified body. And so I'm looking forward to what uh, God desires uh, to do uh, in the future. And so uh, make no mistake about it, uh, God has certainly blessed us. But this morning, uh, I want to put a, a, a tag on this uh, message this morning, uh, the mission for one, the mission uh, for one. And like I said, we're going to kind of pity back uh, on what we talked about uh, last week, because the two DNA principles uh, of our church, much in part of who we are today, uh, much in part of who we will be in the future, comes with these two statements. And the first one is simply, everybody is somebody, but nobody is more important than anybody else. A long time ago, we decided uh, that the pastor, uh, he may be called, he may be the under-shepherd, but he's no one more important uh, than the lowliest of the low person that we could pick up on the street out here on Sunday morning. That person means as much to God, it means as much 
just our church uh, as anybody else. So we don't have that big hierarchy. Uh, we're just all simply sinners saved by the grace of God. We do have different callings, different titles, but we're trying to get it done together. So everybody's somebody. Nobody's more important than anybody else. And then uh, our mission has always been one. You know, back in the early days, probably the first five, six years, we were seeing lots of people get saved and many things were happening. And, and sometimes we got accused, that church is all about numbers. Well, we're looking. We ain't never been about numbers. We've always been about lives, and we've never been about any other number than one. We've always wanted to see one person get one to Jesus. I remember being the evangelism director, and I've told you this before at the association office, and they said, how do y'all baptize so many people at that church? What's your goal for next year? And everybody got real quiet in there, and I said, simply said, one. They said, one, that's your goal? I said, yeah, because after we get one, we find one more, and then we find one more, and then we find one more. And then, like I say, it's added up uh, to, on average, we baptize one person every single week. Uh, and, and you know what I love about that statement is I'm not up here today telling you something that God's going to do, or I'm not giving you some futuristic vision or anything like that. I'm just telling you where we've walked and what God has done and what I've seen God do. So I'm telling you by experience. I love somebody that can tell God by experience because today we got some people out there today that are some warriors and you know that you've been some places you shouldn't have been. You know, some of y'all, especially in that first service, you've been locked up in jail. Some of y'all been into some drugs and some alcohol. I know this is a sophisticated group up in here. Most of y'all ain't been through a lot of that stuff, but most of us know uh, that we've been through some things, but uh, God has been faithful and, and God has uh, certainly blessed us. So this morning, uh, out of the physician's gospel, uh, the gospel of Luke, in just a moment, we're going to stand uh, and uh, we are going to read those verses together. But I, I remember as a small child uh, going to Sunday school, hearing this story. And this story really fits uh, where we're going to go this morning. And it's a story about this old man. Imagine this. This old man is, is walking down the, the beach at, at, at dawn. And, and he notices a young man ahead of him is uh, picking up these starfish and flinging them back into the sea. And so he's catching up with this young man, catching up with this youth. And he asked him what he was doing. His answer was that the stranded starfish would die if they were left there in that morning sun. But the uh, beach goes on for miles and miles, and there are millions of starfish counter demand. How can your effort make any difference? And I want you to listen to this young man's response. The young man looked at the starfish in his hand. He tossed it safely into the waves. He said it made a difference to that one. Friends, we can't win them all. We can't make a difference in them all. But we can make a difference in the one that we get to toss in the sea each and every week. You know what? It's hard to believe now, but uh, 25 years ago in 1998, they released a movie. Hopefully today you got a little army man. How many, how many of y'all used to play with army man? I, I, I want you to kind of keep that army man uh, this week in your pocket or something. And, and I want you to think about the one, the one uh, who you can have an influence over or who you can invite to church or who you can win to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But 25 years ago, they released a movie. And it was an interesting movie. It was a gory movie. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to um, uh, recommend the movie to you. But uh, the movie was so powerful that, that the National Film Registry 
uh, adopted it and put it into the Library of Congress. I, I, I mean, I mean it, it, it made government kind of things. And so it, it, it's a part of history there. And it was about uh, World War II, and it takes place just after D-Day. And the movie was entitled Saving Private Ryan. And some of us might have saw it. it like I say, it's very powerful. Uh, it's very intense. It's, 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 it's very gory. And like I say, it takes place... Uh, just after D-Day, World War II. And one of the characters is Captain John Miller from Pennsylvania, who, along with his platoon of young soldiers, set out to find uh, this paratrooper who is missing in action behind enemy lines uh, in France by the name of James Francis Ryan of Iowa. James Francis Ryan of Iowa. And the mission was simply to, to go out and to seek and to find the one. The platoon along the way, though, they, they begin to fight. The platoon begins to fight. They begin to debate to one another. And they begin risking their lives in order to find this one, James Francis Ryan of Iowa, who is the only son left in the family. And their complaints were that we're looking for a needle in a haystack. He might not even be alive. We are dying for one man. They wondered and they doubted in their search to rescue this one and bring this one man by the name of James Francis Ryan home. Their mission is much like the mission of when Jesus was on this earth. Their mission is much like the evangelism of Jesus. With Jesus, it was all about the one. Just like it was in that movie. It's all about the one, regardless of the risk. It's all about the one, regardless of the sacrifice. It's all about the one, regardless of the pain. All about the one, regardless of the agony. Even if it meant death, it was simply all about the one. If you were to look at the life of Jesus, if you were to look at the entire New Testament as a whole, and you would look at the stories, you would look at the miracles, you, you would look at the parables that Jesus told, you would quickly come to understand that Jesus was always about the mission of the one. He was not about the masses. A lot of churches today, they're about the masses. They're about the big show. They're, 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 they're about themselves. They're about the big numbers. But Jesus was never about the masses, but Jesus was always about the man in the masses. He would be about the person with leprosy. He, he would be about the person that was the outsider. He, he would be about the blind beggar. But Jesus was not about masses. He was about the man. Jesus was never uh, about the group, but Jesus would be about the one that was in the group, the one that needed him. Jesus was not about the crowds, but he was about the one that was in the crowd, the one that needed him, the one that was open to him, the one that, that had a need of a life change. He, he didn't care about the crowd. He, he cared about the man in the crowd. Jesus was not about the herd of sheep, but he was about the one that went missing in the herd. Jesus was on mission for the one. And I will tell you today that our success as a body of believers has simply been that we adopted that and we got behind that years ago and we've never changed. 
Every single week, it's always about the one. I mean, I mean, most, most every week, I, I just figure we already got one next week uh, uh, to baptize. So generally, it's just every single week, we just believe that Jesus is going to give us one uh, that needs the Lord. Like I say, we don't put them in our pocket, and we don't, we don't try to string them out uh, until uh, a month from now. But uh, generally, we just, we just look for one, and Jesus is always faithful to give us that one. So today, out of Luke 15, 1 through 10, let's stand and let's read this word uh, together. This is the inspired word of God. In this word, is a power to change lives. You guys sound ready. Luke 15. Then drew near him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and he eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Either what woman, having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her neighbors and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy, there is joy, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one, not over two, not over three, not over many, over one sinner that repenteth. Let's pray. Father God, today we thank you for your word. Father, we've not come today to just simply hear a word about you. We've not come today to hear a sermonette about you. But Lord, today we've come to hear a word from you. And Lord, in order for that to be true and in order for that to happen, Lord, I pray that I can decrease so you can increase. Lord, I pray today if there's somebody here today lost in need of you, that this could be the moment, this could be the day they could receive you. Lord, today I would just simply pray that, Lord, your word would go out in such a way, Lord, that it would speak to us. It would empower us. It would encourage us in the times to which we find ourselves living. Lord, we give you credit. We give you glory for all. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we, we talked about the early church being birthed. We talked about those early followers, perhaps like 131 of those early followers were uh, destined with a cause. They were destined with a mission. They were going to, to tear some things up. They were going to, to shake some things up. They, they were literally going to turn the world upside down. And so we started noticing if they, if they would have had barbershops back then, they, they would have said in, in, in the book of Acts, they would have said, hey, there comes those Christians. Those, those are people that are making a difference. Those are people that are leading people to follow Jesus. Those are people that are turning the world upside down. If they had a Publix or they had a Walmart or they had 
at a 7-Eleven, people would say, hey, there comes those Christians. They, they are turning the world upside down. They are making a difference. People are coming to know the Lord. People are following Jesus. And when you thought about that and you think about that, you, you have to remember that they didn't have no shared Jesus without fear seminars. They didn't have no um, Bible seminaries. They didn't even have Bibles in every hand. They didn't have evangelism clinics. They didn't have fancy preachers. They didn't have none of those things at all. All they simply had was the power that Jesus had given them and power had come upon them. And Jesus set the great commission in motion. And so they are changing things. I mean, they didn't have the CNN, they didn't have ABCs and New Nation and and Fox Nation and Billy Graham channels and all that stuff. They just simply were people that was on mission for God and they were making a difference in people's life and they were literally turning the world upside down. They, They were just plain ordinary people, just plain ordinary people. And they were turning the world upside down. And then we see this exciting parable. We see this exciting story that Jesus gives us this morning. He gives us this story of this mission of one, that it's not about that group. It's about the one in the group. It's not about the masses. It's the one in the mass. It's not about the crowd, but it's the one that is in the crowd. We see that Jesus is always about the one. And so let me just Park the car here real quick. Put a coin in the meter. And I just want to say this to you this morning. I want you to never doubt that Jesus Christ loves you. He cares for you and he loves you and he does come running after you. And everything you have, the Bible lets us know that we get our living and we get our being from him and him alone. And I want you to know today, everything you've ever achieved in life every relationship that you have in life, everything that you are or ever hope to be is simply because of Jesus Christ. And I want you to never, ever doubt that he don't love you very much. But when we look at the mission of one, there's some things that we come to learn in reaching that one. And these are kind of familiar with what we talked about last week. First of all, we see that, that, that there is authority in the one. There, there, there is a power in the one. There is an authority of the call of Jesus. Think about this. As Jesus uh, walks by one of the many fishing ports along the shore, he sees two brothers fishing. And Jesus' words are very short, and his words are very stunning. He simply says this. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of man. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of man. Now, his words have the force of a summons, an invitation that comes with authority. But with recruiting like that, I mean, it would really be amazing that anybody would follow Jesus at all. I mean, imagine today somebody gets in your face. They don't even know who you are. And they just simply say, come follow me and I will make you fishers of man. Most of you would probably run the other way. You're not going to follow or anything like that. Listen, a few verses down from that, we read that James and John literally jumps out of their dad's boat and literally comes swimming straight for Jesus. Jesus displays the mission for the one. People were moved to respond. The calling of these initial four followers of Jesus is a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable story because it happens so abruptly. 
And not only that, there's no interview, there's no probationary period, there's no testing of Bible knowledge, there's no entrance exam. I mean, somebody today ought to be hopeful for that, amen? I mean, this is one of those deals. You don't got to graduate summa cum laude. You just got to be, thank you, laude. I'm in the mix. I mean, I ain't got to have it all together. But Jesus just simply calls me. No entrance exam. No Bible test. I mean, Jesus is calling me. I'm a fisherman. I'm either swimming or I'm throwing my nets aside. But Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of man. I don't care if you're an expository preacher, a topical preacher, a black man, a white man, Chinese man. Afghanistan, wherever it is, Jesus just simply says, come follow me and I'm going to empower you to turn the world upside down and you're going to be able to make a difference. Man, we live in a world today that we don't, we got to test your knowledge before we take you out. We got to know how much you know. You know, that ain't really how it happened and that ain't really biblical. When Jesus calls them, I mean, think about this too. They don't even know Jesus at this time. They haven't been walking with him in miracles. They they haven't been seeing all these things. I mean, basically, their relationship would have been very shallow. But here's what I want you to understand about this. The power and the anointing is so strong that they want to be around Jesus. I'm not even sure they know what follow him means at this time. But they have such a drawing to him that they want to be around him. They weren't in church. They weren't attending synagogues. It wasn't the Sabbath. It wasn't some special religious holiday. They were just simply um, um, providing for their families out, making a living, working their trade, when suddenly this call of Jesus comes. And I believe all of us have similar experiences when the Word of God comes to you. You felt like, hey, that God wanted you to follow Him, that you wanted to follow Jesus. But listen, you know what, I, I think when it comes to our world today, that that's what we need. That's what we need in our workplaces. That's what we need in the places that we visit. That people need to see us and they need to see our lives and they need to see our examples. That we do have the authority and we do have the power to live right, talk right. We said last week that we ought to be a joy people in a very sorrowful world. If there's anybody today that ought to shine and not whine, if there's anybody today that ought to be on fire for Christ, it ought to be the believers in Jesus Christ. We ought to be joy people. I mean, we live in a sad world. Everything today that you'll hear on the news or listen to on the radio or all these things of division will all be about sad. Friend, it's time for us to get over sad and be glad. We are a joyful people in the presence of the Lord there ought to be joy we ought to have a smile on our face and the world ought to say to us man why are you so joyful why are you happy why are you smiling when everything else seems to be going to hell in a handbasket why are you so happy and we ought to be able to say because I know Jesus I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And they say, hey, well, how can you follow Jesus? Church is a bunch of hypocrites. Let me tell you what. There's hypocrites everywhere you go. There's hypocrites at every gas station, but it won't stop you from getting gas. There's hypocrites at every uh, grocery store, but it won't stop you from going to the grocery store. Friend, I don't care how many hypocrites there are in the church, friend. I'm not going to be one of them, and I, maybe they might need to get saved. The best place for a hypocrite to be would be be in the house of God. And if the temperature gets hot enough, then they'll get saved. But friend, let that be. Don't even go for that argument. Friend, all we need to be, we need to be the joy people in a sad world. 
I talked about we need to be a peace people in a world that's experiencing a storm. We need to be uh, the way people and point the way in a world that is literally directionless, a true people in a world that is built on lies. But most importantly, we need to be a life people in a world that's dying. Friends, there's people that are dying every single day. There's people that are stepping off this planet every single day. And friends, we say it often, but if you were to gain the entire world, lose your own soul, what would it profit you? Friends, I may not know a lot. You may know more than me. But let me just tell you this, friends. The most important decision you'll ever make, and that's the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I can guarantee you, I don't care whether you like me or dislike me, one of these days, I'm going to live in a mansion right beside you. I hope the Lord puts me right beside you. You may not be there. I don't know if you dislike somebody. I don't know. That's another sermon. That's another sermon. I'm not going there, but listen, all, all I'm trying to say is that friends, I know I'm going and I know I'm going to be there. And listen, people ought to be drawn to us because of who we are. There ought to be a difference in our life. We also have a, a, a newfound purpose in reaching the one when we look at the mission of the one. Jesus must ever be the example in the proclamation of the eternal word of God. The supreme duty, the supreme delight, the supreme passion of a man of God or a woman of God ought to just simply be to share the word of God. The time is right for us to share the good news. You see, this is a day when men know how to picket and riot. We always think, hey, we want to stand for picketing and riot. We want to get our cause. We, 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 we. Listen, but we've forgotten how to pray. We live in a day today where people don't know how to act anymore. They just react. Me and my wife was out yesterday, and there was a car that was going fairly slow. And I, 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 mean, and I, and I watched the whole thing, and, and, and this truck almost ran over top of this car. And then all of a sudden, they were going back and forth for like the next seven or eight minutes, like run, trying to run in front of each other, bumper cars and stuff. And I just got my auto insurance bill, and I'm thinking... I wouldn't do that no matter what. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they literally went off the road trying to go around each other. My wife's like, I'm going I'm to get a video camera of this. Of course, you, you, you know, nobody around or whatever. I thought, man, there are two hotheads going at each other out there going crazy. Today, we live in a very reactive world. You got to be careful who you blow your horn up. Uh, and you got to be careful where you are because I'm telling you, we, we just living in a high high-pressured world, high-pressure uh, society. So people don't generally know how to act anymore. They just know uh, how to react. We got a day where tempers are raising the blood pressure and resentment speeds up the pulse. In other days, churches talked about who had come in the world. Today, we're kind of spending more time talking about what the world's come to. Because let me tell you what, we are living in some challenging, crazy times. This is a day of idol-making. So we make God who can be present when needed, but absent when the presence would be most embarrassing. And it's also true, we can no longer say silver and gold have we none, but it's a tragedy true that we can no longer say in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You see, friends, we are lacking the power and our ministry must always be about the purpose. 
It's got to always be about the mission of one. We've got to always be about fulfilling the Great Commission. We've got to always be about doing whatever we possibly can do to reach the one. That's why it's never about pastors, but it's always about the master above. It's never uh, about the leaders, but it's about the Lamb of God. It's never about the singing, but it ought to be about the Savior. Never about members, but about the Messiah. Never about the creatures, but it ought to be about the Creator. Never uh, about the building, but always about the bright and morning star. You see, friends, today we have a lot of things just totally backwards. And what we've got to realize is everything needs to be about Him. And our purpose needs to be simply about him. And so when it comes to this mission of one, we've got to make sure that we don't get off target or, or, or get our focus blared. We've got to make sure that we stay on target for him. And let me just give you this last little thing. When you're about the mission of one, you will always have a plan in reaching Christ. You see, Jesus comes preaching John has been arrested. We know that when Jesus comes on the scene, that John the Baptist was the forerunner, and we know that John gets arrested. But the word tells us that when Jesus came preaching, this divine method or this plan goes into effect. And it actually goes into effect all throughout Scripture. We know that Adam goes, and we know that Noah comes, and Noah goes, and Abraham comes, and Abraham goes, and Isaac comes, and Isaac goes, and Jacob comes, and Jacob goes, and Moses comes, and Moses goes, and Joshua comes. There's always been and always will be a succession plan in the divine plan of reaching the ultimate mission for Christ. Romans ten seventeen tells us that Christian faith comes from what is heard. It rises in response to a word that is spoken. We do not derive Christian faith by our own devices. We've got to realize today the gospel, the gospel is good news. Somebody has got to be on mission for one. Today our world needs to be transformed and lives need to be revolutionized, but somebody's got to be on mission for one. If there is going to be a startling and exciting conversation between the Bible and daily living, somebody is going to have to be on mission for one. If the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms uh, of Almighty God, then there's going to have to be somebody on mission for one. If man are to know that there is liberty for the prisoner, somebody's got to be on mission for one. If there's going to be help for the helpless, if there is going to be a grace for the guilty, a salvation for the lost, a healing for the sick, a reception for the prodigals, a sight for the blind, an abundance for the needy, a victory for the defeated, then somebody has got to be on mission for one. Friends, I want you to know today that all of us have a challenge to be on mission for one. I want to close this morning as I kind of closed last week. And I, I have an opinion, you have an opinion, we can agree or we can disagree, but I can tell you right now that I believe that our world is not going to have a kumbaya moment and everybody's going to come back together. We are so divided, we're divided over everything today. I, I, I don't believe that we're going to live in those times that we used to enjoy where, where people could just be people. But friends, for those of us that are under the banner and the blood of Almighty God, 
Our best days are not our yesteryears. They're not our yesterdays. They're not our yester months. But our best days for Christian are right now. Now is the best time to be a Christian. We don't have insurance policies, but we have assurance policies. And the assurance policy tells us that our king is going to reign and he is going to come again for the church and he is going to come again for you and I. And he's not coming to ask permission. He is coming to take over. The greatest show on earth has yet to take place. He is going to say to Gabriel, son, blow the horn. I'm coming for my church and friend, the church and the bride of Christ are going to be raptured up out of here. And I said all that to say this, church, our world today is certainly a very dark place. It's a very confusing place. It's a place today that is filled with anxiety, despondency, depression, you name it, it's out there. But what better thing to have to be up against that than to know today just as those 131 believers in Acts was put into place. There's never, never, I don't think there's never been a time to be who God wants us to be than right now. You are an empowered Christian. The Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. The Bible also lets us know that greater is he that is in us Greater is he that is in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Church, today we don't got anything to be sad about. And we don't got anything to hang our head about. Because let me just tell you what, the worse it gets out there, the more confirming and the more assuring it is to me that, friends, we are living in the latter days. And I know, I know, as I always say, that people have been sitting on a mountain waiting for Jesus for a long time. But I'm going to tell you, friends, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that day that Jesus Christ comes. And so, friends, what we have to understand is we've got to understand and we've got to stay about the mission of the one. And we may not be able to make a difference in everybody's life, just as that young boy on that seashore walking down there, throwing that uh, starfish out to the safety of the waves. We can't make a difference in everybody, but we can make a difference in one. Everybody in here, you've got one. Everybody in here, you know of somebody that needs Jesus. And everybody, you need to know today, people are watching us. They're watching us. You know, The problem is we've had so much bad influence on the world that we need to have good influence on the world. And people need to see us as a people of love, kindness, acceptance. And the way we change people is not getting in their face and just beating them down. But the world don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. We don't have to agree with people. We don't have to tolerate certain lifestyles and certain things. But listen, we need to be kind. And we need to be loving because I'll tell you what, that's how Jesus was. I know he turned over some tables in the temple and there were some choice words that he had for some people. But most of the time, 90 plus percent of the time, you see Jesus taking that which he disagreed with. And he was very kind. He was very compassionate because he cared about the one. This morning, if you're here and you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that God sent his son Jesus to come 
And he walked the staircase of glory and he came down to this earth and he lived upon this earth for 33 and a half years. And he died for your sins and he loves you and he cares for you. And what you've been looking for your entire life, if you don't know Jesus, is simply a relationship with him. And today, if you need a relationship with Jesus, you can march down this aisle and we can lead you to the throne room of Christ and Jesus can save your soul. If you need to join this church, rededicate your life, you do what God would have you do. But church, at the very least, I want you to understand how we got here today was simply being about the mission of the one. And I encourage you to continue to be about the mission of the one. You might be like that Saving Private Ryan movie where they may wonder one time if this is worth the cost. You may wonder if it's ever going to happen. Are we ever going to find him? You may have doubts. You may have questions. You may have fears. You may have a lot of things. But friends, make no mistake about it. If you ever get to your one, it'll make all the difference in the world. Let's stand. Let's pray.